Shabbat Shalom. It's getting worse, my friends. It's getting worse. <laughs> I need these more than ever. Okay. Except that made it worse. Okay. The parasha for this week is entitled Miket. I'm calling it a resurrection and a reckoning. Uh, Miketz means at the beginning, or excuse me, at the conclusion, and covers Genesis 41-1 through 44-17. Joseph has been in prison in Egypt on a false charge of attempted rape. (sighs) Poor Joseph, (laughs) betrayed by his brothers, enslaved in Egypt, wrongly imprisoned. Yet, everywhere he went, he acted with integrity, and God showed him favor. In last week's parasha, Joseph had interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker who had been jailed. His interpretation came to pass. The chief cupbearer was restored to office, and the chief baker was hanged. Joseph had asked the cupbearer to please put in a good word with Pharaoh for him, but the cupbearer forgot all about him. Joseph spent two more years in prison, but he couldn't possibly have known how dramatically things were going to change. Parshat Miketz opens with another strange series of dreams, this time interrupting the sleep of the most powerful man. There was the the Pharaoh. He summoned his wise men, but they were at a loss to declare the meaning. And the cupbearer suddenly remembered and admitted, embarrassingly, that he had forgotten Joseph. He described to Pharaoh this impressive young Hebrew who was able to interpret dreams. Joseph was immediately summoned from the prison, brought to the palace, and successfully interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. Seven years of superabundant harvest were on the way, a time of great prosperity in Egypt, to be followed by seven years of famine, a famine so devastating that the years of prosperity would be forgotten. Joseph advised Pharaoh to appoint someone to oversee the systematic storing up of grain during the plentiful years to be prepared for the coming famine. And Pharaoh said, great idea, the job is yours. In a single day, Joseph ascended from the prison to the palace, from lowly prisoner to second in command over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh was delighted with Joseph. He gave him his signet ring, wealth, honor, a wife from a prominent family, and even a new name. Joseph eventually fathered two sons, whom he named Manash and Ephraim, meaning to forget and to be fruitful since God had enabled him to forget his former woes and had truly prospered him. Meanwhile, Joseph diligently stored up one-fifth of the grain during those seven good years. 
so much was stockpiled that at one point they just lost count and just stopped even counting. But the prosperity ended abruptly. And the famine began, a famine so vast and severe that the entire Middle East was affected. Now our attention is shifted back to Jacob and his family back in Canaan. They're running out of grain. And by this time, everyone knows that the only place you can get any is in Egypt. So he tells his sons to get off their tuchuses and go down to Egypt. But Benjamin, he's keeping with him. He's not going to risk anything. He's already lost one of his beloved Rachel's sons. He's not going to risk the other. The brothers arrive in Egypt, and Joseph recognizes them as they bow down to him. His dreams are coming true, but they don't recognize him. It's been over 20 years, and he looks very Egyptian. He decides to test them. You're spies, he declares. They protest their innocence. They explain their situation. And in the process of him asking and then them talking, they reveal that they have a younger brother back home with their dad. Joseph puts them in a prison cell for three days, but then releases all of them except Shimon, who is to be kept in confinement. Joseph sells them grain, but tells them before they leave that in order to prove their honesty, they cannot come back to Egypt without their younger brother. Only then will he release Shimon. Can you imagine that trip back home? On their way home, oh, it gets worse. On their way home, they discover that their money has been put back in their sacks. And now they're afraid they're going to be accused of stealing the grain. This is the beginning of a series of tests to which Joseph will subject them, precipitating a crisis which will force the brothers to confront their long-hidden sin. Well, when Jacob's family runs out of grain again, the brothers have no choice but to return to Egypt. And despite Jacob's reluctance, this time the brothers bring Benjamin with them. You know, they are, uh, and they get there. They're reunited with Simon, Shimon, who is now released. And Joseph is introduced to Benjamin. (laughs) Joseph orchestrates, though, one more crisis before they head back with another, with their bags of grain. He, uh, he plants his own ornate goblet in Benjamin's sack of grain before sending them away. After they've departed, Joseph sends a guard after them to stop them. The guard rebukes them for having stolen his master's cup. They again protest their innocence and invite him to examine their sacks. He does so, and to their dismay, the cup is found in Benjamin's sack. The others are told they are free to leave, but Benjamin is going to be taken back to Egypt and made a slave. Oh, boy. The brothers are horrified. They can't return home without Benjamin. Imagine what that will do to their father. So they turn and head back to Egypt to plead for his life 
And that's where we leave off. So it is, it's a cliffhanger like those YouTube videos that go to an ad right at the crucial moment. Well, a few thoughts to share with you. You know, Joseph wouldn't be the last Jew taken captive to a foreign land, interpret a king's dream, and suddenly rise to prominence. The same thing happened, of course, to Daniel. What is it about the Jews and the revealing of mysteries? Our people, it seems, were chosen by God to unveil his mysterious plans and purposes to the nations. Ultimately, the Gentiles are welcomed in to the family of God. Well, a few final thoughts. First of all, it's a mistake to interpret your present immediate circumstances to be the sum total of your life. You don't know any more than Joseph did what God has in store for you. He reallocates assets, whether grain or people. According to his infinite wisdom, you can trust him to fulfill his good purpose for you in his time. And so we need to learn patience to wait on him. Second, that we should learn from Joseph's example to prepare as he prepared for that famine. We need to be wise with our resources. Don't spend money recklessly. It is always wise to save for that proverbial rainy day for unforeseen hardship. Third, I believe Joseph's betrayal by his own brothers, his captivity, and his sudden rise from the prison to the palace foreshadow Messiah Yeshua's betrayal by his brothers. Death, resurrection, and exaltation. You know, Jacob thought Joseph was dead thought he would never be seen again. But as he would discover, Joseph was alive and well and highly exalted. Likewise, the people of Israel reckoned that they would never see Yeshua again, assuming that he was dead and that's the end of it. But he has risen and ascended to the Father. He's alive and well and highly exalted. Now, in terms of the time frame, Jacob, a.k.a. Israel, doesn't yet know the truth about Joseph, but they're going to soon be reunited. Likewise, Israel, the nation at present, doesn't yet know the truth about Yeshua. But that reunion will soon take place when he is revealed in splendor. Wouldn't you think uh, Joseph would... Joseph is such an amazing individual right? The innocent one, hated by his brothers, sold for the price of a slave, suffers unjustly, then rises from the pit to the pinnacle and becomes the one who saves the very ones who hated him. Hmm. Wouldn't you think that Joseph would show up in the new covenant as a type of the Messiah? You know, maybe nothing needed to be said because it's so Obvious, the symbolism to anybody who's familiar with Genesis. Just as Joseph saved not only his own spiteful brothers, but many other people also, so Yeshua has become the source of salvation, both for his own brothers, Israel, and for men and women from every nation. 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Shabbat shalom.